you. It's great to be here tonight, and uh, man, an energetic place, energetic pastor, I'll tell you that right now. And uh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. And uh, heavenly sunlight, he about, he about uh, burned the church down on that one, didn't he? And that's good stuff. I'm, I'm a little intimidated to preach. Anybody that can lead he- heavenly sunlight like that ought to be preaching right now. And uh, But pastor, thank you for allowing me to be here. I do not take it lightly, the, the privilege to stand uh, in any pulpit, let alone this one. This is a great place. And I've enjoyed preaching to your teenagers, and they've just been wonderfully attentive. And, and the staff, we're, we're working on that. No, I'm just kidding. But teenagers have been great. And I enjoyed playing basketball, volleyball with some of them today, preaching to them and getting to know them and looking forward to see uh, what God continues to do. But I want to thank you young people for paying attention, just doing a good job. And, and it's great to be back in West Virginia. I love West Virginia. Let me tell you something, you want to get me upset, uh, and I know you're not going to do it, but I travel all across the country, and every now and again, somebody has something negative to say about West Virginia, and I'll say, you've never been there. I mean, you live in Chicago, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and uh, My goodness, but I love West Virginia. I was 13 years, I, I was in Parkersburg, West Virginia, and I've told my wife many times, many times, that if preachers, I don't know what they do, but if they get old and retire, and if all that takes place someday in our life and times, I would love to move back to Parkersburg, and, or West Virginia somewhere, and uh, I don't know, get a place on a hill somewhere, and just just slow down. I love this place, I love the people of this state. I was in Spanishburg, West Virginia, a couple of weeks ago, preaching, and, and had a wonderful time there, uh, preaching down in the southern part of the state. And, uh, and it's just a, it's just a blessing. And so take your Bibles and turn tonight to the book of Luke chapter number 15, Luke chapter number 15. I want to bring a, a, a few thoughts to the church and thank you for being faithful on a Wednesday, mid middle of the week and, uh, for coming and, and, uh, being in attendance and, and, uh, singing out and praying and, and it's a blessing to, to me, and I know it's a blessing to your pastor, and of course, being obedient to the Lord is, is what it's all about. And I want to help you tonight. I, I, this message, I'm not even sure where we're going to go with it, and, um, but the Lord's put it on my heart, and I guess if we do nothing else, we'll just lift up Jesus tonight. And that'll be okay, wasn't, wouldn't it? That, that'll be fine. Let's look at Luke chapter number 15. The Bible says, then in the very first verse, the Bible says, then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. We're going to look eventually at at several passages in Luke 15, so leave your Bible open. We'll look at a a few more verses But I want to talk to you uh, tonight and preach to you tonight. Really, the heart of it is going to be found just in that second verse. And and we'll get to it after we pray. Father, bless the the message. Lord, I do pray that you would fill me with your spirit. I know what it is to preach in power and fullness. And I know what it is to preach alone. Lord, tonight, I don't want to preach alone. I pray that you would use the words and and the illustrations, and just everything, God, to speak to some heart tonight. 
Lord, I have no idea if anyone is here that is lost. And my, my, my mind and my flesh would say that there's not on a Wednesday night, but I don't know that. You do. Lord, if any are lost, I pray that they would be saved tonight. God, if there's a backslidden Christian in the room and maybe they just barely made it, I pray that they would get right tonight. Lord, if there's somebody struggling and, and uh, they're just weak, I pray that you'd give them strength tonight. And thank you for loving us and help us to live for you, not only today, but for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask these things. Amen. I want you to notice in Luke 15 that there are, there are two groups of people listening to the Lord uh, there in Luke 15. Two groups of people had gathered together to hear what he had to say. And I have found this to be my experience in church work, that there's always these same two groups of people sitting in church. Tonight, tonight, these two groups of people are, are sitting here. As I preach to the teenagers, there's these two groups of people sitting here. No matter where the congregation is, how big or how small, these two groups of people are always present. And I want you to notice, first of all, in the first verse, we see the publicans and the sinners. There, the publicans and the sinners were there. And by the way, I like that crowd. That crowd doesn't make me nervous. That crowd, I mean, I like the publicans and the sinners. They know who they are. They have full understanding of their shortcomings and, and they don't think much of themselves. And I like the fact that they're there to hear him. See, the thing about publicans and sinners, when they come to church, often they're there for the right reasons. I mean, they're there to hear from God. They're there to hear from the Word of God. The publicans and the sinners were there. But there was another group of people there. I want you to look in verse number 2. The Pharisees and the scribes. Now, they weren't there to hear Jesus. The truth of the matter is, they were there and they were listening but, but they weren't interested in hearing what he had to say. Uh, they were more interested in criticizing who he was and what he had to say. But, by the way, church, it's a dangerous place we get in sometimes as Christians. When we come to church and we're not interested in hearing, we're interested in murmuring and complaining. You see, you see, give me the publicans and the sinners any day of the week. I mean, they may not have it all together, but at least they're there for the right reasons to hear from God. Those Pharisees and scribes, they gather together. They may look right on the outside, but they're not there to hear from God. They're there to murmur and complain. That was the case in Jesus' day. That is the case today. And so the scribes and the Pharisees, they had watched Jesus interact with people. They saw him sit with those that were broken and those that were hurting and those who had fallen and those who were dirty and those who were the outcasts and, and those who were rejected. They had observed Jesus uh, practice and live this way. And so they got together and with the intent to malign and with the intent to damage his reputation, uh, they were used to deliver one of the most glorious phrases in the Bible. They thought that it was going to hurt him. They thought that it was going to, to damage his reputation. Uh, but it's not at all. Look at what they said. They said, this man receiveth sinners. Man, what a great phrase. 
Think about it, church. Aren't you glad that this man receiveth sinners? I mean, aren't you thankful that no matter where you were, Jesus received you as you were, and he's changed you. Man, they thought they were hurting him. They thought they were criticizing him. But what they said has been used to deliver hope in my life time and time and time again. This man, the lovely Lord Jesus, he receiveth sinners. Man, I love it. I was asked to preach at our church some time ago, and and a pastor had called me and asked if I could fill in. And man, I got all excited. Look, I love to preach. I love to preach, and uh, I, I could preach. I could preach for two hours, three hours. No, but I won't do it tonight. But uh, <laughs> but I, I love to preach, and and I just I just enjoy it. And um, pastor had called and asked me to preach, and and I said yes, okay. And man, I had five sermons in my mind to preach, and and they were swirling around there. And I went down to my wife; she was in the kitchen making some coffee. And I, I said, "Minda, I'm preaching tonight today in church." And she said, "Oh," she said, "Oh, that's wonderful." And I said, "Man, I've got this thought and this thought," and I kind of went through it all. And she said, "That's good, that's good." I said, "I don't know what to say." And she stopped making the coffee. She looked at me. She said, "Abdel," <laughs> she said, "I am thrilled that you are excited to preach." She said, and all of those sermons sound good. She said, choose one of them, preach half of it, and, uh, and everybody will be happy. And I thought, well, you know, that's a good, honest woman right there. And I went up into my, my little study area there at the house. And I opened up my Bible to Luke 15. And I settled in on this passage. And I wrote down, this man receiveth sinners. That's about as far as I got. I mean, there's a whole sermon in there. But I couldn't get much further than that. I began to think I am here this morning because this man receiveth sinners. I am saved. Not not because I could earn it. Not because I could uh, buy it. Not because I'm worthy of it. Because none of us are worthy of salvation. I am saved because this man receiveth sinners. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I'm never going to go to hell uh, because this man receiveth sinners. I have a beautiful family, a wife and three children that I do not deserve. But God gave them to me and they are precious to me. But not because of me, but because this man received. Sinners, I have the joy of salvation in my life. Man, this world can walk through this world with heavy hearts and sadness and no hope. But as a child of God, I can have the joy of salvation because this man receiveth sinners. When I go to sleep tonight at the Holiday Inn, man, I will have the peace of God in my heart because this man receiveth sinners and I'll never walk alone. I'll never walk alone because this man receiveth sinners. I don't know about you, but that is exciting to me. The fact that Jesus receives sinners. And so Jesus answered their criticism with three stories. He, he, they said, this man receiveth sinners. And he essentially said, not only do I receive sinners, I'll show you how I receive sinners. And he gave them three stories. He told them the story of the The lost sheep in verses 3 through 7. And then the story of the lost coin in verses 8 through 10. And then, of course, the story of the lost son. We would call him the prodigal son found there in verses 11 through 32. That classic passage that is used for young people uh, all the time. How this young man became sick of home and then eventually homesick and 
finally home, he paints the story of, of uh, those three. He gives those three stories, and all three of those stories illustrate one powerful truth, and that truth is this. Jesus loves the lost. Yeah. I mean, no matter how lost you are or how you became lost, Jesus loves the lost. If you're outside of the family of God and outside of the fold, friend, I can assure you that Jesus loves you tonight and he died for you and he wants to receive you. But if you're inside of the house and you have fallen and slipped away, maybe like that coin, the coin was inside of the house but had had become lost and maybe behind a couch and some dirt had covered it up and, and you know how they had to go through and diligently sweep the house. And Man, I've been that Christian before inside the house of God, but not really valued and not really kind of out of circulation. How many of you know what I'm talking about? A coin has no real value if it's out of circulation. And I've been that person before, but Hey, Jesus loves the lost. Or uh, if you're If you're uh, outside of the fold, he loves you. If you're inside but fallen and slipped away, covered up with some dirt, he loves you. Or if you were inside and you walked away like that prodigal did, Jesus loves the lost. It doesn't matter how lost you are. That is a picture of the grace of God. Now, quickly, how does this man receive sinners? And I'm going to be done. Number one, and I want you to jot it down if you're in the habit of making notes. Number one, he receives sinners joyfully. Can you say that word with me joyfully? Say it on three. One, two, three. Oh, that's good. All right, praise the Lord. I was going to have him get up here and sing it for us. But uh, yeah, hey, he receives sinners joyfully. Your Bible's open, right? Look, if you would, in verse number six, where he says, about the lost sheep, when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep which was lost, I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. If you would, look at verse number 9 and 10. When she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. And likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Look, if you would, in verse number 23. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to be merry I'll tell you how Jesus receives sinners he doesn't receive them begrudgingly he receives them joyfully in each case the story of the lost sheep the lost coin and the lost son when that which was found came home when that which was found when that which was lost came home again Jesus was happy about it you ever think about this not a whole lot of things Things that can make heaven a happier place. You ever think about that? I mean, you think about heaven. Uh, there's, no, there's no disease there. There's no sin there. There are no tears there. There's no disagreements there. There's no divorce there. There's no peer pressure there. There's no goodbyes or crying. Hey, it's not just for a few days. It's forever. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. Heaven is a wonderful place. There's not a whole lot that can bring it more joy. But the Bible clearly tells us that when one sinner is saved, when one lost person comes home, all of heaven rejoices, he receives sinners joyfully, joyfully. They say that Disney World is is the happiest place on earth. Now, I know there's some controversy around Disney World right now, 
And if you have issues, then take it up with the administration of the church. But they say, they say that it's the happiest place on earth. And, and we took a family vacation there a couple of years ago. And, uh, and, and I'm going to tell you something. Watch this. That place is designed to put a smile on your face. I mean, you walk in, you walk in there, and people are happy, and they're whistling zippity doo dah. I mean, it's it's there's no no trash on the on the ground. I mean, it's it's immaculate. It's a pretty happy place. You have a few days of rest and relaxation. Everybody is happy, and then you start to walk, and and it's hot, and and it, it's it's you get tired. And you get irritable with people in lines for hours at a time. And, and then you go home and you realize that that friendly mouse took all of your money. <laughs> he took money that you didn't have. He took money that was going to your kids someday. He took it all for what? For what? For a few days of superficial joy. That's what, that's what it was. You think about heaven. And you think about the fact that there on the golden streets, there's actual joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. What what can make heaven a happier place when that which is lost is found? He receives them joyfully. Number two, he receives sinners. Not only does he receive them joyfully, but he receives sinners lovingly. Lovingly. I want you to think about the story of that lost sheep. One sheep is lost. One. Just one. Outside of the flock. The 99 are fine, but there's one that's gone astray. What does the shepherd do? Hey, by the way, I, I don't want to rebuke you tonight, but, but if the shoe fits, wear it. If you can smell what I'm stepping in, then, then, then listen. Hey, what, what, does, what does the shepherd do? He leaves the 90 and 9. And he goes and he finds that one. He doesn't sit there and say, what's, that? what's the problem with that one sheep? I can't believe that they would. No, 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 no. He receives them lovingly. Amen. Think about it. You know, the Bible says, the Bible says that, that uh, the weight of government, the weight of government is on one shoulder of Christ. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. The, whole, the weight of the government of the world on one shoulder. But you read your Bible here. When he goes to find that lost sheep, he, he picks up the lost sheep and places them on his shoulders. Both. That, that denotes the care and the love of the shepherd who is tender. And by the way, that's how we ought to be with lost people. I mean, we ought to have a love in our heart and we ought to have care and, and patience with them. This man receiveth sinners and he receiveth them lovingly, lovingly. Amen. Receives them joyfully, lovingly. Next, he receives sinners patiently. Patiently. Look if you would at... at uh, Verse number eight, the Bible says, either what woman having 10 pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and look at this and seek diligently till she find it. You ever lose something? Anybody like Brother Judah? I, I have a tendency to lose my keys every other hour, it seems. And when I lose my keys, I, I become accusatory. I feel like somebody broke into the house and stole them. <laughs> I'll look in like one or two spots, you know, the, the go-to spots. And if my keys aren't there, then all of a sudden my kids are on trial. I mean, 
what did you do with my keys? Dad, you know, my son's nine years old. Nothing. Oh, you've got them. And uh, trying to take the car. <laughs> just, it's just, you lose all patience when you're looking for something and you can't find it. Doesn't that drive you nuts? You're looking for something and you can't find it. My phone's been acting up on me, and so the apps don't load right away and all of that. And my airline ticket was, but the boarding pass was on my phone and on the way to come here. You know, you're waiting in line, and, and they're scanning your phone to get you on the plane. And sure enough, as soon as I'm there, my phone acts up. And I said, hang on a second. And I start trying to find my boarding pass, and everybody's in line behind me, you know. And my phone freezes, and so I've got to turn it off, reboot it. I mean, that's terrible. And you got people behind me, they're just, ah, oh, ah. Oh. It's like, brother, you're going to be okay, all right? And if you think I'm getting out of this line, you're crazy. But, uh, but you reboot it back. And I mean, people, hey, watch this. We've lost our patience. Aren't you glad that the Lord's never lost patience with you? Let me ask you a question. Have you always been this good? Have you always been in church on a Wednesday night? Have you always been growing in the Lord? Or can you take me back to a time and a place when you weren't everything that you should have been, but God didn't forsake you. He was patient with you. And if this man, this man can be patient with us, we ought to be patient with other people. This man receiveth sinners. How does he do it? He does it uh, joyfully. He does it lovingly. He does it patiently and next and this might be my favorite point this man receiveth sinners unashamedly <laughs> you see they they thought that somehow that was going to hurt jesus by saying look at who he eats with and who he helps and who he associates with and look at that look at that Hey, let me tell you something about our Lord. He gave him that last story of the prodigal son to show those scribes and Pharisees, not only do I receive them and love them, but I receive them, watch this, unashamedly. Unashamedly. You know what I love about that prodigal son story? And we could preach it all night, I won't. Here's what I love about it. If, if the father pictures God, then it's the only time in the word of God where God the father is running He's always seated. He's always in control. He's never in a hurry. But in this story, the moment that he sees that lost son coming home, man, he runs towards him unashamedly. Brings him back. Man, throws a party. Kill the fatted calf. I mean, let's be happy. This, my son, was lost and he's found. And I, I, I love that about Christ. He's not ashamed of us, is he? Not ashamed. He's got every reason to be, but he's not ashamed of us. This son was dirty from the hog pen and the father ran to him and brought him back. You know, I'm, I'm preaching to teenagers this week and I think you've got a great group of teenagers. And it would break my heart. It would break my heart to think that one of them, I'm telling you, it would break my heart to think that one of them someday would walk away from the Lord and walk away from the Bible and walk away from the church. It would break my heart to think of that. But if it ever happens, let, let me help you, church. Let me help you. If it ever happens, they show any interest at all. You run to them and you bring them back into the house of God unashamedly. I don't care what they look like. I don't care where they've been. Let me just stop and say, I love that old song. I don't know what a sinner you are, but I know what a savior he is. Unashamedly. I was in the Houston airport. You talk about love and patience and being unashamed and all of those things. I'll end with this illustration. 
I was in the Houston airport, uh, I believe it was in May, and uh, I was trying to get to uh, Iowa to preach at large youth conference there, Brother Joe Brown, there about 700 kids that come to the youth conference there in Washington, Iowa, and I was trying to get back, hustle to get back, and my, my flight was delayed. And if you've traveled at all this summer, the airports, it's been, it's been horrendous. I mean, just delay after delay after delay. It's been really bad. And, uh, and it was no different in May. It was, it was terrible. I was trying to get from Houston, Texas to, to uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where I was going to grab a rental car and go into the meeting. And while I'm there in Houston, uh, my flight to Cedar Rapids got canceled once, then canceled again. Two cancellations, and then they rerouted me to Chicago. And I told them, I said, I don't want to go to Chicago. I need to go to, I need to, go to Cedar. I need to go to Iowa. I said, I'm supposed to speak in Iowa. And our junior high youth group was there. My son was in that youth group. And we had arrangements where he was going to stay with me. And I didn't have time for this stuff. And uh, it's one of those, hey, dads, it's one of those where you tell your wife, yeah, he'll be fine. He's with me. And, uh, and now I'm going to be late. You know? And so what do you do with the, the, the junior high boy in the hotel by himself? But all this was going on, and, and they said, no, you need to go to Chicago. That's what they said. They said, uh, Cedar Rapids is canceled. We're going to send you to Chicago. And then from Chicago, you can go to Iowa. That's going to be your fastest route. And so I went to wait at the gate to go to Chicago. And it was delayed once. And then it was delayed again. And then it was delayed again. We're, we're looking at like 11 o'clock, midnight, whatever, in Texas, and I am getting irritated. And then it was delayed for a fourth time. And when it was delayed the fourth time, the lady came on over the microphone and she said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to inform you, uh, the weather is fine and the plane is ready to go, but we're going to have to delay the flight for another hour. We have no pilot and crew. And when they said that, it was like the collective sigh at the gate. We're like, oh. And I was furious. Now, brother, you may never have me back. That's okay. I lost my Christianity. I lost it. I lost it. I was upset. I'm not easily upset, but I was upset. I walked over to the lady that was there. I put a smile on my face. I said, ma'am, I said, I am, I am mad. <laughs> I said, I am mad. Now, listen, my name's Abdel Kareem Isa Judah, just saying. And, uh, but I said, I, I said, ma'am, I am, I am mad, and uh, I want to complain. I said, and I know that you can't, you know, it's not on you, and I don't want to do it with you. I said, but if you could direct me to a person, a real person, not an email, not a, and I started, <laughs> I said, a real person, <laughs> and just let me, let me vent, I would appreciate it. She said, sir, thank you. She said, United has customer service right down, and she directed me there to the United customer service spot, and I said, wonderful. I said, I appreciate your service, <laughs> and, uh, and I started walking to the United customer service, and I'm telling you, I was so angry in the flesh. I was hating Texas. They tell me everything's bigger and better in Texas, and Texas, you know, conservative, they do everything right. Well, not the airport, all right, and uh, I, was, I, was, I was criticizing Texas in my mind. I was all over United Airlines, and and I was just, I was just mad. I was just upset. Just, just, and, and I thought to myself, I had this thought. I thought, you know what? Here it is. I'm going to get something for free tonight. I, 
I'm going to get a free flight. I'm going to get a free hotel. I'm going to get some free food in this airport. And I'm going to get, and I'm going to get some free water. I'm going to get something for free. These people have been incompetent. And I'm just, I'm just, and I get in the customer service line and I'm waiting. And the guy behind me is a young guy, sharply dressed guy. He looks at me, our eyes connect. And, uh, and we have that look of shared suffering. Like, like we were in battle together. You know that bond that is foreign. You don't need to say a word. I just looked at him and he looked at me. And uh, obviously both of us teeming with hatred for United Airlines and the state of Texas in our hearts. And, and I looked at him and I said, I said, uh, Chicago? He said, yeah. I said, I said, can you believe it? He said, I cannot believe it. And this guy was quick and he was smart and he was articulate. And the two of us began going back and forth, just saying everything bad <laughs> about about now there's no cameras or cameras i'm sure no microphones praise the lord but, uh, <laughs> but it was it wasn't you know it was what it was and i was just i was just berating the united airlines workers and the pilot and the crew and you know i can't believe this level of incompetence and he looked at me and we're in line together he said oh yeah he said yeah he said i don't know about you man but i'm gonna get something for free tonight i said exactly yes yes I am going to get something for, and we were going back and forth, and of course, my, my whole day is delayed, and it's, I'm supposed to be preaching, preaching in Iowa, all that's gone, I was a day late now at this point, and, and, uh, and uh, we're going back and forth, and just criticizing, and, and uh, just, just, we get to the front of the line, I looked at him, and I said, hey, and watch this, I said, watch this, I'm not even supposed to go to Chicago, he said, what, I said, yeah, yeah, I said, these idiots. I said, I'm supposed to be in Iowa. They canceled that flight twice. Send me to Chicago to make it faster, four times delayed. I said, that's where, that's where I'm at. He said, I cannot believe it. He said, uh, what were you going to do in Iowa? If I ever wanted to say, I'm a motivational speaker, and I mean, that was the time. That was the time right there. And, and, I, uh, and we were working our way through that line, and, and I just looked at him, and I said, uh, I said, I'm a preacher, and I was supposed to preach to teenagers. And his eye, he went, oh, <laughs> like that. And then the lady said, next, and I walked over, and I started uh, appealing to her. I had been unjustly treated and just all of these things. And I, listen, I, I used every, every ounce of uh, uh, oratory that I have, which isn't much, but trying to plead and to show her, look, I need something for free. And she sat there and she listened to me. And I was so skilled, so skilled that I walked out of there with nothing, zero. <laughs> so I'm walking down the Taking the walk of shame, you know, back to gate C-42 in the Houston airport to wait on my flight. That's probably never going to happen. Go to, go to Chicago. And I'm walking. I got my bags with me. And, and the guy that was behind me, he's, he's now behind me walking. And I kind of saw him. And I, I waited for him and slowed up a little bit. And, and, uh, and now we're walking together. And I said, hey, I said, you get anything? He said, No. I said, man, I said, unbelievable. He said, I know. And then I looked at him, and for the first time that evening, I said, what's your name? What's your name? The guy looked right at me, and he said, my name's Abdel. 
I said, what was that? <laughs> you know, come again? What was that? He said, my name's Abdel. Now listen, if you're sitting here tonight and your name is, you know, Mike or John or you might be used to people saying your name and hearing your name all the time. Not a whole lot of Abdel Kareems out there in Texas, all right? Not a whole lot. And, and, and I was just taken back. That's my name, Abdel. He said, my name's Abdel. I said, my name's Abdel. He said, no. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. And I pulled up my wallet, and I'm showing him, like, look, it's right there. Abdel, Kareem, Isa, I got them all right there. <laughs> and, and he said, unbelievable. I said, Abdel, it is great to meet you. He said, Abdel, it is great to meet you. It was like that who's on first routine. You know? <laughs> we were just going back and forth. You know, I just enjoyed saying his name. I mean, it, my name, whoever's name, our name. And uh, I, said, I said, Abdel, man, wonderful. And he's like, yeah, and we're going back and forth. And then he said this. He said, uh, hey, I'm interested. He said, what were you going to say to those teenagers tonight in Iowa? <laughs> I said, Abdel, I can't believe you would ask that. And I don't know if it was the, the um, stress of the day. I don't, know what it, I don't know what it was. The lateness of the hour. But I just broke. <laughs> I just broke. I said, Abdel, if I had a chance to preach to those teenagers tonight... I would probably tell him that God is real, that his son is Jesus, that he loves them and that he died for them, that he wants to receive them. That's probably what I would say to them, Abdel, the same thing that I would like to say to you. Can I talk to you about it? And he didn't look at me. I'm going to be honest with you. He didn't look at me and say no. He didn't say I don't believe that. He didn't say, you know, I go to the mosque or I read the Koran. He didn't say anything like that. He looked at me and he said, yes. I reached in my bag. I pulled out my Bible. There was hardly anybody there. We were just in a hallway, walking to a gate by ourselves. And, and I pulled out my Bible and I showed him the plan of salvation. And, and I said, uh, Abdel, do you, do, you, do you believe that? And this is what he said. He said, I've heard about Jesus, but never like that. And I said, Abdel, it's true. It is true. I did say to him, I said, I'm not united. I'm not lying to you. And I said, I said, it is true. Every word is true. Jesus loves you, Abdel. I said, would you like to trust him right now? He said, yes, I would. Amen. We bowed our heads and man, Abdel got saved. And, and it was wonderful. We walked back to the gate and it was great. I was happy and I sat down and I was calling a friend of mine, even though it was late. I was calling a friend of mine in the Houston area because I had the feeling that I might be spending the night in Houston. And I called the friend, and while I was talking to that friend, Abdel came over. He had pizza. He said, hey, you want some pizza? And I, I took the I said, no. I said, I'm good. I said, I don't want to eat this late at night, Abdel, but thank you. I said, I'm trying to watch, you know, and not doing very well. But I said, but, but, but thank you. He said, okay, okay, okay. Came back a few minutes later. He had, he had some, some, some water. He said, hey, are you thirsty? Do you want some water? I said, Abdel, thank you. I'm good. I said, but I have some water here and pulled it out of my bag. I said, but thank you. He said, okay, okay, okay. Came back a few minutes later, had a neck pillow. You know those travel pillows? Had a neck pillow. And he said, he said we're going to be here for a while. He said, might as well get comfortable. You want my neck pillow? I said, it's a funny thing, Abdel. Those neck pillows hurt my neck. I said, they don't work for me. I said, so I, I prefer to not have one. He said, okay. They finally called us onto the plane, and I took my seat on the United flight all the way in the back, you know, and I'm back there, and I'm just doing the mental math in my mind, like, we're not, I'm not even asleep today. And they go through all the 
the beginning part of the flight and they start taxiing out and I see a man all the way in the front of the plane stand up and he walks back to me. It was Abdel. He's looking at me and he says, hey, Abdel. I said, Abdel. He said, he said, I'm in first class. He said, I fly all the time, United. He said, I'm in first class. He said, I have nothing to do tomorrow in Chicago. He said, it looks like you're busy. It sounds like you're going to be busy. He said, you want to trade seats with me? Now watch this. I didn't take his water, his pizza, or his neck pillow. But every man has a price. <laughs> I mean, it was one o'clock in the morning, man, and I was dying. And I said, uh, I said, absolutely. I stood up, shook his hand. I said, thank you. And this is what he said. This is, I'll just say, this is what he said. He looked at me and he said, Abdel, you've given me so much tonight. I had to give you something. I got back to that first class seed and I sat down and pulled my iPad out to look over my sermon (laughs) that I would be preaching. Hey, a sermon had just been preached to me. But I looked over my sermon and I jotted something down. I don't think it's word perfect, but something along the lines of, was it worth it to God to so mess up my day that I might rendezvous with one man that not only needed Jesus, but would be willing to receive Jesus? And I wrote underneath it, the answer is obvious. The answer is obvious. I was convicted that night. I had lost all love and patience and (laughs) all of it. But Jesus still taught me a lesson. Hey, he would mess up my day all day if it meant one sinner. Why? Why? Because he receiveth sinners. Let me ask you a question. He's given us an example that we should follow in his steps. First of all, you ought to be thankful tonight that he received you. Hey, you weren't always the way that you are right now. It wasn't always that way. There are some people, sometimes I'll preach to teenagers, and they're second-generation Christians, third-generation Christians. All they've ever known is church, and man, they have a goodly heritage. I thank God for that, but I promise you, young people, if that's you, I promise you, trace your family tree line, trace that family line on your family tree back far enough, trace it back far enough, you'll find somebody that was just a sinner, and Jesus received it. You'll find somebody whose life was a wreck, and Jesus received him, and because of that, you have the blessings that you have today. So first of all, you ought to be thankful that this man receiveth sinners joyfully, patiently, lovingly, unashamedly. And secondly, you ought to be challenged. That's what we should do as a church. That's it right there. We should receive sinners. I mean, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Doesn't matter where they've been. Doesn't matter what they look like. We should receive sinners joyfully, lovingly. Patiently, working with them, working with them, unashamedly. Help it to ever be so. Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes? I want to thank you for listening. Who would say this? Brother Judah, I am thankful. Absolutely, those scribes and Pharisees meant it as a criticism. But I sit here tonight at Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church, and I am thankful that this man has never stopped receiving sinners. (laughs) He would say, Brother Judah, I'm thankful, because that's me. Would you raise your hand and let me see it? Oh, boy, that's good. Hey, amen. Amen. Who would say this, Brother Judah? I want that to be my attitude. Towards those that are lost without Christ. To those that have been saved, but they've fallen away and slipped away. Maybe some dirt of the world has covered him up a little bit. I don't want to get prideful and reject. I don't think Jesus would do that. Hey, receive sinners. I 
you know what, it's, it's easy. Isn't it? This church has a wonderful heritage, I think, and I might be totally off base. I think somebody told me we're celebrating at some point here recently 50 years or so as a church. Is that correct? Uh, here, yeah, as a school. As a school. Wow, that's remarkable. Let me tell you something about a church that has longevity and tenure. Sometimes we can lose the first love and the joy when a sinner gets saved. Who would say, Brother Judah, I'm glad that Jesus received sinners, but secondly, the way he receives them, that's how I want to receive them. I was challenged. I want to receive them that way. Would you raise your hand and let me see? You know what? If we had a church here in Martinsburg that took it to heart, that took it to heart, I'll tell you something. Look, the world is crazy, but, but many of them are searching. They just need some Christians that lack like Jesus and receive some sinners. <laughs> they don't have to have it all figured out on day one, you know. You might have to sweep around a little bit and, and clean some stuff up. That's okay. Patience. Let's stand to our feet. And I, I feel like, I know it's Wednesday night, but I feel like we should open the, 